Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for January 10th, uh, 2021. Uh, we're in the season of Epiphany. Bruce, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I actually successfully have used 2021 <laughs> instead of 2020. Every instance that's come up except once where I put 2012 reversing the one the <laughs> yeah okay. that, that's par for the course for me <laughs> i am uh on the opposite side of the coin for uh, uh, you than that i don't think i have done it correctly the first time <laughs> yet uh, i'm still working on it um as much as as much as we all wanted to be in a different year uh and uh, uh i'm still blowing it i'm not <laughs> i'm not <laughs> mentally moving uh into the right uh right year yet um on when writing checks or dating something it's it's been kind of crazy um we're coming to you not live on behalf of holy family episcopal church in fishers indiana and uh uh we are uh now outside of the season of Christmas, it's official. Does this mean that the 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 electionarily people should be taking down their trees uh, now? The 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 Christmas trees yes. should come down. Jan on January sixth, that should be the last day of Christmas lights on and trees up and that sort of thing. I re really, I, remember I, I, I like, said that as a joke. Uh, so, 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 so there is kind of, there's a lectionary opinion as to when you should take down your trees and lights. Yeah, there is a thing. <laughs> Weird, uh, really? Okay. Yeah, as a, as a kid, and again, I grew up Episcopalian in a relatively um, observant home. I remember my parents struggling to get the cut Christmas tree to last until January sixth, without burning us all out of the house. <laughs> Would wow. be multiple watering by this point it would be multiple waterings a day and talk about spraying it with something I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> dipping it in plastic so that yeah. it'll stay <clears throat> yeah um okay so I, I i didn't realize that that there, there was any sort of tie of like now it's time to move on from that that uh, the the decorations of that season and move into. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, we decorate yeah. our altar uh, accordingly as well. So right, yeah, it echoes what people back in the day would see in their churches. That oh, okay, they they took down their nativity scene and their greeneries and things like that. Okay, um, though in colder weather climates like here in indiana i notice people leave up christmas lights and things like that longer some in some cases out of safety because it's too icy or something to climb right. on a ladder <clears throat> but i think also it's just because it's so dark and cold that it, it gives a little festive air a little longer and i have absolutely no objection to that whatsoever okay my good. personal rule is the christmas tree really should be down by the super bowl there you go okay you could have laughed at that but okay <laughs> I no, I mean I the, the I know many times in the past like our tree's been up for you know oh my gosh it's almost April come on. <laughs> well, in that case, I would invoke the Lenten rule. <laughs> no, no Christmas trees. <laughs> yeah, so, with artificial trees, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, right. To, uh, you really can determine when it's going to be up and down. Yeah, and, it, and and let's be fair. On my end, for myself, uh, it really is not a matter of wanting a fe the festive air to remain longer. 
it's really more of a oh my gosh then i have to put it in a i have to take it up and put it in the attic and i just actually i just don't want to do that right now <laughs> just yesterday my wife and i this is her joke she gets full credit for it she said you know it's time to take down the christmas tree when you have to dust the ornaments <laughs> that yeah yeah yeah, that's a that that is a good sign. Okay, mm-hmm. so I I need to make myself a mental note then. Uh, the uh, the um, Gloria that we've been using during the Christmas season, I should um, I should uh, not use <laughs> the the recording of uh, of the Christmas tree uh, uh, the Christmas trees on the uh, the altar. <laughs> right. I right. need to go back to. Uh, <laughs> An older, an, an older slide of it, or redo it. Okay, good. <clears throat> yeah, or, yeah. Just hop into the church and record a new one. There you go. <clears throat> so, uh, okay, yeah. So, um, Epiphany. Uh, before we get into uh, either the uh, uh, no, 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 I'll do it after the the, the person of the day. I'll do that after okay. the person of the day. So, uh, Bruce, I'm gonna, um, I'm choosing this person. I'm gonna say it up front. Um, this person has one name and I find that interesting. Doesn't narrow it down any. <laughs> so this is like, so I, I find it interesting when people are like known by like a single name. Uh, like Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Well, even, even Jesus has, I mean, shoot, he has plenty of names. Te- um, technically. Yeah. He could have son of Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so his secular identity. So I equate these types of people like uh, this is this is the share of their time. This is I was going to say prince, but okay. Okay, yeah, prince, the prince of, of their time. So uh, your person of the day is Elred, and I'll spell that for you: A E L R E D. Is is he the historian of what we now call Britain? It doesn't say that he's a. Historian. Well, I no. mean that he he wrote he left written records of early Christianity in Britain. Uh, the 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 glossary does not include that information. It is. Then I possible. may be totally off. Go ahead. Uh, Who is he? El- Elred of Riveau, um, which is a very French spelling for somewhere in England. Um, he was born in the early 1100s. Uh, he's the son of a Saxon priest in Hexham, North, goodness, Northumber, Northumber, Northumberland. Right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hexham, Northumberland, England. Uh, he was a Cistercian monk of the Abbey of Riveau who became the abbot there in 1147. Uh, but I, I also picked him not just because he had two, uh, or like a single name, but he... Uh, he, he, he's known for two major writings and uh, I wanted to do a little bit of spotlight on, on maybe, uh, uh, directing someone to find, uh, his writings and read up on him since you can kind of connect directly that way, because both of these books are available on Google. Um, <laughs> uh, his two major writings he are, he would be so pleased. <laughs> he would be so pleased. Uh, his two major writings are mirror of charity which is a book uh, that uh, uh, basically talks about the divine nature of love and how we love each other is a mirror image of who we are ourselves, which is interesting. 
and spiritual friendship, uh, which actually Google doesn't go into very much ex- <laughs> explanation as to what the book's actually about. So <laughs> I'm going to guess it has something to do with friendship and spirituality. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I can talk a little bit about that. But there I'll you let go. You finish. Uh, and his min- his ministry is commem- uh, commemorated uh, in the Episcopal calendar of the church year on January 12th. So uh, um, uh, next week will be his uh, um, feast day. His, his yeah, his feast day. Which I was going to save this until next week, and then I realized and knew about myself. You're going to forget this, so <laughs> you might as well get it in. In well, anticipation of a week in advance, because next week you'll be like, all right, who we got today? <laughs> so what I was going to say about spiritual friendship is that at least I, I think it's one of these things where a lot of Episcopal priests and other um I shouldn't say other and well-read people, <laughs> not all Episcopal priests are, um, <laughs> It's one of those works that a lot of people of that ilk have read quotes from and so think they've read it, but haven't really read it because all they've done is read quotes on people's Facebook pages or um, back before then in various anthologies of spiritual writings. But um, I I was totally wrong about the history part. What he's um, primarily cited for now is that spiritual friendship dimension of how do people have spiritual intimacy with each other and vulnerability with each other especially and yet also have good boundaries Hmm. and he was in that way he never used that term boundaries but in many ways he's sort of the source text for contemporary writers on those issues on, hmm. the, on those ways of being in healthy ways that um, again, a lot of them are, are writing and even accidentally quoting him. Cause I just think that's what everyone knows, but he's actually the first one to write a lot of those concepts down of, of how do you share a prayer life with one other person and it have great energy and um, attractiveness, but is not romantic or sexual right okay okay yeah because i guess uh when you talk about um uh like the greek uh the the different types of greek love a spiritual love doesn't quite doesn't quite fit in those definitions that's kind of a right it's it's a little bit like in between a couple of them um, yeah. So that yeah. makes that makes some sense that it would need some 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 base writing uh, uh, after the fact. Um, I do need to correct one thing that I said about myself. They're both on Google, uh, but when you finally cl- when you click through the prompts of it, you'll realize that they're not electronically available on Google. Oh, <laughs> Google's just trying to uh, connect you to uh, their online store but they will they then point out oh you can only get this in print so uh okay so so apologies uh for anybody who just google searched it uh and and uh was like hey this guy's lying to me um uh there you can order a printed uh version and spiritual friendship uh is isn't isn't a a a super terribly long book it says it's 146 pages but right the, the size of this i would imagine that's a fairly quick read um uh, uh, 
mirror of charity is is uh, uh written in the context of his cesarean life uh, yeah yeah cesarean yeah. uh, life uh so it's more of um a a talk about the monastic life and how he right. how how like the reasons why he um um being a good monk gravitated towards that and and how that's his mirror Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's a, it's a little bit more, uh, uh, about, uh, uh, life in the monastery. Um, and that's 328 pages. So at not, maybe not at your local bookstore, but, uh, is available, uh, for purchase. And, uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and go out and jump out on a limb and say recommended by, uh, Bruce Gray. Right? Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel quite safe recommending a work by a, a saint of the church. <laughs> That's a limb I can go out on. <laughs> I mean, you be careful about that. I'm sure there's some sort of a uh, 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 saint of the church who had like, oh, he had this like, uh, he, he had this nonfiction writing that was pretty weird, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There, that's true. There, there are some that, that were very respected at the time that now, a modern reader would go, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, like the the Saint Francis, one of the roads he went down spiritually in terms of spiritual practices was whipping himself on the back, and that's right. not something I'd ever recommend now. Yeah, uh, I probably never would have in my life. It's okay if flagellism does not uh, have a resurgence. I think right. Uh, that's that's quite. I think we should all be okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, then let's move on uh, to our readings. And as I, as I started to say uh, before we went into the person of the day, uh, I, I wanted to take a moment to just kind of do a general overview because we're, we're, we're now celebrating the uh, season of Epiphany. So give us, the, uh, give us the, the, the quick and easy definition of what this season is sure. all about. What's the overarching theme? The overarching theme is the beginning of the revelation of who Jesus was. Okay. So it it starts with the, as we'll hear about in a few minutes, the Magi visiting the baby Jesus. That's the first epiphany, the first revelation of who Jesus was. And then each of the Sundays will have a story about Jesus that continues that theme. And they go in chronological order but not in a not but they don't take place one event after another so it'll skip along and if you're as we go through the gospel we'll be like oh you know number of pages later is the reading for the following sunday so it's not like mm-hmm. what we do during the summer months where it's yeah just keep your ribbon in that right page because you're just going to keep going right um, so it's it's the season where we see so we get sort of a crash course as to how Jesus was revealed to the human race. Okay. And I guess that kind of makes sense. Uh, the, the, the Christmas season ends, uh, is, 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 uh, focused, uh, uh, um, magnified. I was going to say narrow uh, narrowly focused, but it's really more of a magnification of Christ and his birth. Right. And then epiphany is kind of taking that period of time, be, uh, shortly after that all the way to uh the realization of his ministry right uh, do we end it, with the the realization of his ministry or do we ends, end with the 
I haven't looked this year, but usually the last Sunday of Epiphany, and then the next thing it starts is Lent, is just before he goes to Jerusalem for the last time. So it okay. goes all the way to the very edge of Holy Week. Okay. Okay. So it so so it encompasses his ministry. So it's not just the Epiphany about who he is and and the beginning of his ministry. It really is about uh, who he is and how people also came to know and realize that throughout his life leave out the last part because almost always it's they didn't understand what this meant <laughs> okay. that's the punchline that's true that's true that's true but uh, yeah the diff different usually supernatural ways in which god said this is my beloved son or uh, similar types of events that were like whoa this is something different okay well, let's uh, let's let's uh, jump into it then. Isaiah uh, chapter sixty verses one through six. <clears throat> Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Epa, all those from Sheba, shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense. And shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Um, this is uh, kind of this is done in almost poem form. Am I? Oh yeah. Okay. And this is. Oh, I'm always I'll, I'm always bad at the the cutoff in Isaiah. You're getting better second, and better at. Is this second uh, author? No. Third. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it's, Couldn't remember. it's fairly early in the third so you were you were close by saying second and it, <laughs> you weren't as far as you could have been <laughs> the truth. well and i was reminded in, in getting ready for this morning that even scholars sometimes disagree about where second ends and third starts gotcha because they have such a similar writing style right okay yeah um but this and, means, since it's third, it means that this is part of the encouragement section for mm -hmm. the Israelites that have returned out of their exile after being enslaved by Babylonia and are, are frankly, are saying, why did we ever leave Babylonia? We had it good there compared to this. Yeah. And, and let's be, uh, to, to be clear, as far as the intentions of the writings go, this is not a... <clears throat> It has a prophetic tone to it, but it's not necessarily a a, a strict policy or a prophecy. Like right. this is, you can read and interpret in, into this uh, um, a, pr a prophetic call that of of Christ's coming, um, kind of made most poignant by the reference of gold and frankincense, uh, but talking about bringing a you know a light to the earth and 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 um, um, kind of turning, turning the tide of darkness. Uh, you can kind of insert uh, almost a, a prophetic nature towards the, the coming of the Messiah. But that really isn't the, 
intention of the, 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 the writing. As you pointed out, it really is talking about um, uh, better days are coming. Um, uh, uh, certainly don't give up hope in, in, in your God and uh, continue to uh, improve and, 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 you know, uh, and, and you'll be, you, you will be blessed again um, by God uh, and, and uh, don't be disheartened kind of a, kind of a tone for, for the, uh, for yeah. Israel. Yeah. And there are a couple um, key things that about, see now I'm, I'm just scanning, find the verse again. Ah, uh, verse four, um, lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. This is a description uh, that will, is very meaningful to the people who first heard it of all those folks that were scattered when the Babylonians conquered Israel all of all of their family members all of their friends all of their fellow citizens are going to be coming back to israel right Even though right now it's not much more than we covered ruins don't worry you're literally your sons and your daughters will come back right and good times are ahead it's a very um yeah it's supposed to be a very concrete description of what's going to happen in the near term christians understandably took it as a prophecy of the messiah and the magi coming to the baby jesus right uh, but when the the first hearers experienced it it they would have hopefully felt their hearts lifted mm -hmm. um and i know that um i know the intention of the, the or the, the the intended meaning behind verse six <clears throat> but can we just talk take one second to talk about how terrifying it sounds uh describing a multitude of camels covering you <laughs> like i know the intention is you know uh, uh your camels and 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 your flocks and you know prosperity will shall return and and the camels are 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 pack animals, so they're you know I, I think the insinuation is that they're carrying things, um, it, and yeah, and if bringing things back, but just <laughs> being so far divorced from the sons and daughters returning, like a whole verse in between, and then they're like, oh yeah, and the camels are like of their own volition are just gonna <laughs> wander back on and 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 cover you like a, a plague of locusts. Well, <laughs> Yeah, this is where it's important to remember it is a poem. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the looking at the Hebrew, it's <clears throat> the image that's being built is not yeah, it's not like <laughs> camels you know covering your streets and yards and stuff, but rather the the image of all of the corrals are filled with trade animals. Right. Uh, right, right. Yeah, you know, the parking lots are full of shoppers or in this case, people bringing gifts. Right. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> but it, it's hard to translate that into English. Sure. Um, Which is why I had fun. And so they kind of um, gave up and just did it literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, and then the reference of golden frankincense is, is a, so, so not only are the people going to come back, the trade animals are going to come back, but some of the wealth uh, yeah. will return. Golden well, camels mean wealth. 
So it's it's not that you know you're not going to have um, <clears throat> Yugos parked out there. Mm-hmm. You're going to have BMWs and Mercedes and Cadillacs. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, the camels, not the you know, not not the uh, the half horses. Um, <laughs> the, the... <laughs> horses. <laughs> You are a city kid. <laughs> yeah, I am. I sure am. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Uh, so so it, it, no 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 uh, time spent on you know uh, goats and rams and and those those the, the the necessary their livestock. But yeah, as you pointed out, like the 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 cream of the crop, as it were. Of, yeah. Of of animal possession. <laughs> uh, well, the, you know, the the tools tools of the trade. Yeah, these camels camels are what you needed to have long distance commerce, right? Because they yeah. could cross the desert so um, easily, and yeah. So consequently, they're they're a huge sign of both wealth and also a tool of gathering more wealth, right? So if you had, um whole groups of camels filling all your corrals you are now a wealthy place yeah the, and those those uh those camels are basically what inform uh verse five uh, as as a possibility um the the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you well the wealth of the nations shall come to you that's not going to happen without those camels um well one that actually i'm glad you pointed that out because again in hebrew poetry a couplet mm-hmm. um is a redundancy of meaning but but here, the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. That's a different activity than what the camels are needed for. Hmm. Because Israel is almost within, well, Israel reaches the Mediterranean Sea. Okay. So you have one group of national wealth and commerce and um, immigration coming from the Mediterranean Sea, from which is to the west, and then from the um, other three directions, you have the camels mm, mm-hmm. ca- crossing okay. the various deserts to get to Israel. Gotcha. Heading north, south, uh, north, north, east, and around. <laughs> south, yeah. North, south, and the east is where the camels would be used, gotcha. particularly the south and the east. Mm-hmm. Um. So anything else uh, that, that you would want to point out about this uh, about this poem, about this uh, um, take heart, lighter days are ahead um, kind of a poem? That as, as much as we talked about the meaning at the time it was composed and shared and inspired by God, it is one of those that has been applied over and over through history, both pre and post Christ mm-hmm. for, to help lighten people's spirits and to help give us hope in bad times so hopefully it's still meaningful even even if we see it as an individual even even if i see it primarily as a prophecy of christ's coming hopefully we don't say the meaning stopped at the birth of jesus but it still has meaning for us today right yeah uh may all the camels cover you um (laughs) let's move on to Let's move on to uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. Uh, This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you, 
and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which you will enable, sorry, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ, and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God and boldness and confidence through faith in him. Um, so, did we read from Paul last time? I want the to same letter. The same letter? Okay. Okay. Um, so now we're in the, you know, we're past the pleasantries of the, uh, um, of the book for sure, right? The, right. the opening cadence uh, and into the meat and potatoes of, of, of this. I'm trying to remember, is this the one that you said was like the first uh, um first documented uh, um, uh, writing of the New Testament. I'm trying to remember if that's... Opposite. One. Opposite. The last. <laughs> one of the like, last. Like I totally knew. Uh, it was just... <laughs> yeah, this is the one we talk, uh, talked about last time uh, that's almost the greatest hits of mm -hmm. Paul's thought and theology gathered together by um, one of his followers. And sent out that uh, presumption is that it was written not long after Paul's death when Paul's followers were worried and perhaps rightfully so that mm -hmm. his preaching would be forgotten if they didn't record it and send it out. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's attempts to pull together what the author felt and we'll say the Holy spirit too were the some of the primary teachings that paul used over and over yeah um so one of the things that i noted in here uh um and maybe it's just this writer on, on paul's behalf but uh and, or, or maybe it's just the translation but the word mystery is used three times very focused on um you know uh, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, understanding the mystery of Christ uh, uh, to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. Um, I, I, I understand like the, the, the writing is geared towards people who would not know this story necessarily. Right. But um, the, the, I'm not entirely sure other i've read other writers talk about uh like refer to who christ was his coming as the messiah necessarily as a as a mystery though is there is it's this just the 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 writer 
focusing on uh, the unknown of who the Messiah was going to be, or what 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 is the what what's the fascination with mystery here? I think, and I haven't read on this in years, so it, I may be rusty on it. But I think this is a reference to what was very popular in other religions around the Mediterranean at this time, uh, where they they were literally called mystery cults, and hmm. cult not in the negative way that that we use that term but right, mystery right. religions that basically anything worth knowing easily is both not interesting and not not um holy enough hmm. and so it is it is a christianity very quickly kicked it out whenever it started to pop up within christianity that there were secrets and that there were mysteries and that only the most holy would ever be able to divine them. Um, and we still struggle with that within Christianity, mm -hmm. usually in more subtle ways than this. But so I think the author was trying to hit a common ground with mm -hmm. non-Christians, um, non-Jews who were from... Who, who held the perspective that if it wasn't a mystery, then it wasn't spiritual. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it, I mean, to be, to be completely fair, not that, uh, not that I'm uh, uh, knocking the wording, uh, the, the God incarnate uh, uh, is, was a mystery, like not in, in like, we didn't know that could happen. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, like yeah um uh i, I don't I, correct me if i'm wrong but i i'm not entirely the, the 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 prophecies of the messiah i don't think inc necessarily included ahead of time the idea that it was going to be god themselves you know put right. in physical form it was you know, we don't know who it's going to be. Is it going to be a a a, a king, a ruler, uh, a, a priest? Uh, yeah, a priest, uh, a prophet. Uh, yeah, we 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 put it in the terms that we were able to comprehend at the time. And one thing that was beyond our comprehension was God, uh, you know, uh, lowering Himself to <laughs> any sort of human standards and and uh um sharing this plane of existence with us in any way shape or form i don't think that was ever one of the options that people had had, had necessarily pondered so it definitely was a uh, would have been a mystery of like hey yeah did you we didn't know this was possible we didn't know that this was going to happen though one of the things also to remember about world religions that, around the mediterranean at that time was that there were to to just put it very simplify it greatly within roman and greek the uh, mythology there were stories of gods disguising themselves as humans oh yeah for sure and so it it wasn't so bizarre that people non-jews around the mediterranean would find it impossible to you know just farcical but instead it was oh so it did happen in your religion, yeah, it happened in ours too. Oh, wait, it happened in a different way? And that's kind of what Paul's um, teasing out here. Mm, is okay. that 
yeah, it, it wasn't a God who took on human form just to have sex with a human. <laughs> right, right. Um, was, which is how a lot of those myths went. <laughs> very much, very much so. But instead, you know, there's this whole different way. And the primary physical experience that God had was death. And right. You know, that, that obviously is a complete turn on its head of what a lot of the pagan religions were talking about in terms of a god becoming taking on human form right and a, and a compassionate death at that like right one, right it was not one, just for the for a, the a god's entertainment express you know purpose and meaning uh yeah. um yeah um would, would have definitely been something very strange i, I think so, anyways, I, I was also wrong on on saying that there were only three references. There's actually four. Um, <laughs> I wasn't counting, one. so I can't. Uh, I verse five says, you. "In verse five, in former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind." So there's actually four. Um, but uh, but yeah, a lot of I, I just noticed that as I was reading it, a lot of mystery reference. Um, well, and so, part of it also is something I remember you pointed out last week of how part of Paul's writing content often included uh paul explaining his own credentials mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he okay four times he mentions mystery in these 12 verses he also uses the term revel to me by revelation over and over mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. while it was a mystery the mystery was made known to paul through revelation right. it has been revealed to me right? yeah and so th this was the you know, the standard explanation um, in early Christianity as to why Paul should be listened to, even though he wasn't a witness to Jesus's earthly ministry. Right. Uh, and, and, and also the reason why he's uh, in prison, uh, which is what he mm -hmm. says at the top. This is the reason that I am a prisoner. Yeah. Um, uh, um, because he's he's the he's the one who has who it has been revealed to one of the ones that it's been revealed to and because he's sharing that revelation um, beyond Judaism, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's why he's in prison because he's sharing it beyond Judaism, which at the very least was considered rude, and but as he kept doing it, was decided to be treasonous since the only true god within the Roman Empire was the emperor, right. Right. Um, what else about this writing from Ephesians? Well, one of the big things that we're supposed to take from it in terms of the Feast of the Epiphany is that God didn't just, in you know, the year zero say, you know, I think I want to be a human for a while. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's just walkabout. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, it was part of God's eternal purpose that okay. um, God become incarnate in the form of Jesus. And that mm -hmm. it was very carefully, to, to put it very lightly, it was very carefully thought through by the divine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This wasn't this wasn't an, a, a happy accident. This wasn't, uh, you know, um, God touched the wrong lever in yeah. his lab and suddenly... <laughs> the, oops this happened yeah exactly yeah which if you read fairy a lot of fairy tales or other some quasi spiritual fiction a lot of times that is how something supernatural happens by a god 
or right. a demagogue is, yeah, they accidentally stumble, they hit the wrong lever, they do something that breaks into human history. And mm -hmm. so this is trying to emphasize, no, this wasn't just uh, oops. This, we are so beloved as a human race that God very carefully um, planned this and carried it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, very good. Let's um, let's leave Ephesians for now. I am sure we'll return at some point, if not next week. Um, <clears throat> let's uh, let's move into Matthew chapter two, verse one through twelve. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to play, pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, uh, Judah, sorry, uh, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Um, so this is a, this is a very, um, obviously a very famous uh, portion of the, 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 I would say this is part of the Christmas story. Yeah. Uh, even though... Um, some people believe this might have happened as much as, you know, a couple of years later. Right. Um, uh, I don't All know sorts if we of have speculation, like a, right? Yeah. Um, um, the way that some of it is written, some of the story is written, maybe not ne necessarily here in Matthew, but it's, it, it's not, doesn't just appear in Matthew. It appears in, in, yep. Just Matthew. Is it just Matthew? Yeah. I thought it appears in another one. Yep. Okay. Shows you what I know. Um, well, I mean, uh, that, that's the power of it is that people presume it's got to be in more places. But Matthew, basically the way you remember it is Mark has no infancy story. John has no infancy story. Matthew has the Magi and Luke has the shepherds. Hmm. And there's no overlap besides the names of the parents. Interesting. And Jesus. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> Jesus is a little bit of an overlap. Um, I mean, the, uh, but the name, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah, we don't we don't exactly know. Um, obviously, it, it it does. Matthew's story here does imply that there is some calculation as to like, wait, wait, when was it that the star you you first saw the star? Because it's kind of. Um, it, it's implied that the, when they saw the star, that must have been when he was born, and that's when he, they started traveling. 
Um, I don't know as if it's, it doesn't seem to expressly say that's. No, and that's, but that is why there's speculation about how, yeah, how long did it take the Magi to arrive after the birth? And the, the way I think of it, and I'm not unique in this is, come on, if, if God was going to become human, God could certainly start this guiding star well before the birth. That's true. You know, it's not sure it's not like at jesus's first burp the star appeared or something although uh that would be a very strange thing for uh mary and joseph like as they're traveling to bethlehem like this star is like right overhead <laughs> doesn't seem to want to leave let's try going <laughs> south instead of west really quick and see if it see it's following us <laughs> yeah, and that, that's one of the interesting things with the the star story that I think is purposeful is it didn't attract a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so I I think that's I it's symbolic that and meaningful that these magi, which is a better translation than wise men or kings, these magi noticed and were inspired by God as to its meaning and acted on it. And there might've been others who had two or three of those, but without all three, they would not have found the Christ child. Right. Yeah. And I mean, let's, let's take a moment to uh, talk about, I mean, Herod is a, a, a villain in this story, right? Oh, through, um, as he was through. in real life, but yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, so let's take a moment to talk about how terrible of a villain he actually was in that, like, he wasn't good at his villain job. <laughs> he literally, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a mention here, like, uh, you know, they they killed a ton of children. Yeah, uh, that's what so happens after he, the story ends. As a villain goes, he comes back and redeems his villainness uh, uh, for sure. Uh, but like, literally, he has people come to his doorstep and say, "Like, hey, we're following a star uh, to find the king of the Jews," and he's like, "Oh gosh, this can't happen." And then he just he, like, you don't follow the wise men to see where they go. You don't follow the star yourself, <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, As a villain, but, you had two opportunities to kind of figure this out. Well, he wasn't the brightest star in the sky himself. <laughs> um, I mean, we, we, we literally know that from other history books, that he was kind of adult. And no. <laughs> that, I like it. You know, he, there was, one of the reasons the Romans picked him as a puppet is that they knew he wasn't bright or ambitious. And so... He would just continually be a yes man for the Roman policies and directives. But also, he did ask them, where do you think this child is to be born? Mm -hmm. And so he narrows it down to Bethlehem, which was a very small place. Sure. And so in some ways, it's it's more like the they already told him where the treasure map ended up. Yeah, I remember as a kid seeing cartoons where X marks the spot on the treasure map with all these dotted lines and stuff on it. And I always thought, why don't you just go right to the X? You know, you, if you know the treasures in Bethlehem, you don't have to follow them. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You could you could send a contingency of folks to scour Bethlehem to look for him, which he ends up doing at the end, uh, after our portion ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, I th- I think his evil bona fides are are legitimatized throughout this story. I don't think it's suddenly a oops, I let them go. I shouldn't have done that. Um, and he thought they were going to come back to him afterwards to report on it. Sure. Okay. So yeah, I mean, had a little bit of hubris as to his, uh, charismatic uh, encounter with them. I'm like that. Ah, they'll come back. They'll yeah. Let me know. <laughs> well, and again, not, not the brightest guy, but also just to play out your scenario, if he had them followed, perhaps they would have misled him. That's a that that's a good point. I mean, there are only so many people traveling to Bethlehem from Herod's palace, which is literally within sight of Bethlehem, depending on which palace oh. he was in when they when they went to Herod. But if hmm. if he was in the, his main palace, it's on a major um, hill, a mountain that overlooks Bethlehem. It's distant, but you can see it. So it's not like it was. Oh, they're they're going off on a multiple days journey. Instead, mm-hmm. they were almost there, and he, you know, if they'd had telescopes, they could have almost followed the their journey from the mountaintop to see where they went. Hmm. And you know, something I hadn't thought about before is Herod himself ought to be able to just look up and see the star at this point. That's that's what I mean. Like, just hey, why don't why don't you follow the star? They're doing yeah. it. Yeah, you're right. And so again, we get that equation. He's not listening to God, so he won't see the star. Right. Even though he wants to act on it. That makes that makes uh, some interesting sense. Yeah. Um, So, so, I mean, it it, which is in a way the the reason why uh, Herod doesn't suddenly, you know, come down and find this Messiah child uh, in the story is one of the reasons why I think some people think that it must have been a period of time right the, the the i think if i remember correctly that that's the one of the reasons why people some people believe oh they must have gone to bethlehem and they'd already left so then they were kind of tracking them down and, and figuring out where they had gone um from there which is why herod couldn't just like send in people <laughs> to bethlehem and find them they weren't hiding out in bethlehem the whole time they had fled um so, um, but still, it's a it's it's an interesting encounter um, <laughs> with the king of the land, uh, and uh, um, the the <clears throat> I, I find it interesting though with with his snidely whiplash like uh, his uh-huh. his uh, image is in history. The wise men still needed a warning from God not to go back to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> People they were stupid. warned in a dream don't return to Herod. I'm like you know what that guy was weird okay <laughs> yeah he was he, he gave off a creepy vibe i don't think we should go back there <laughs> and like Which, one, one of the wise men are like i didn't need a dream for that <laughs> i've been telling you guys for days <laughs> right come on gus <laughs> i said that as soon as we left well what, you needed a, a vision and may, you know, it may be one of those things that because often this takes place in the Hebrew scriptures, especially. But 
know in the New Testament as well that the, the least among them is the one who is carrying the God-given truth. So yeah, mm. it could have been that every camel driver among them was saying, we shouldn't go back there. We shouldn't go back there. It's, oh, uh, don't worry. We can deal with him. We're, we're wise men. We're smarter than him. Right, we're smart. <laughs> and then finally God said, look, I've been trying to tell you through all these humans around you, so I'm telling you directly, don't go back. Right. But also, to, just one thing I, I just remembered is the d discussion about how much time had passed is people try to... Um, combine this story with the story of Jesus's birth that's found in Luke with the, the shepherds visiting the same night. And mm -hmm. in this story, it has Mary and Joseph and Jesus in a house, whereas mm -hmm. the other in a stable. And so right. part, of the rec part of the reconciliation of these that really, I think it isn't necessary, but is saying, oh, well, they ended up being there long enough that Joseph had time to rent a house and start up a little right. business and yada, yada, yada. And you know, all because of one word. And right. in reality, the, if once that census event that's talked about in Luke is over, then they probably could have stayed with relatives because that's why Joseph was there. That's where his relatives were. Mm -hmm. um, the guest rooms would have been freed up so or he could have returned home i mean they lived somewhere prior to that yeah came from nazareth yeah in Luke. so uh, so yeah why would why wouldn't you just go home when the census is over well yeah and the the discussion is because you had a newborn baby and you wanted to <clears throat> spend some time with <clears throat> relatives you know you didn't get out that's much, a good point. so yeah you might as well enjoy the trip there you um, go. and in in Matthew, it um, implies that Mary and Joseph were not from Nazareth. Mm. It doesn't say where they were from before they, before Bethlehem. And maybe they were from Bethlehem, but went to Nazareth in part to hide out. Huh. So it's, it's, again, one of these things where if you try to get too technical or word for word with reconciling the two gospel accounts of jesus's birth you, you end up in some cul-de-sacs that are awfully hard to back out of right yeah yeah um let me ask uh this question then is the the the, the reference to gold and frankincense mirroring our first reading is that, um, what do you think the odds are that that is happenstance versus uh, intentional writing by the author? I think it was intentional writing by the author. Okay. But also God knew Isaiah as well. So it's possible that God inspired the Magi to bring those gifts. Okay. And then... Uh... So, I, you know, best of both worlds. There you go. Uh, and then why uh, why myrrh? Like uh, golden frankincense were in the story. Uh, uh, myrrh is is like an oil, isn't it? Is that the what's the what is myrrh? I'm pretty sure that's the oil. Um, and I'm just double checking. Yeah, 
um, the footnote in my Bible says a resin used for anointing and embalming. So that, which is what I thought it was. The speculation is this, this is that um, foreshadowing of mm, Jesus's mm -hmm. death and that before you know it, though, 30 years is not a bad lifespan in that time, but Jesus will need burial oils. Well, and uh, that makes that makes uh, frankincense a little strange as well, though, uh, because um, that was used for um, it's medicine, right? Frankincense is medicine uh, of some sort. It, it's it, it, used to, for for dulling of pain and reduction of swelling, isn't it? I don't know if I've heard that one, but it it is a resin as well. Um, and I'm, I'm familiar with it, frankly, being a, an incense. Okay. And used, was used in the temple in Jerusalem and lots of other places as a symbol of our prayers rising to God. Hmm. So the gold and the frankincense were in a sense, um, <laughs> the worldly and the divine coming together. Gotcha. Worldly got worldly gold. And the <clears throat> prayer, prayerful frankincense. It it is interesting then that the 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 gifts, uh, the gifts, um, kind of foreshadow his life. Yeah, that I think I think that's the point of them. Hmm. Very interesting. And again, um, I'm not saying Matthew made it, made it up. God's is a better author than any of us. So it could very well be that God said, you know, if I have these wise guys bring these gifts, people go, ooh, for centuries. So that's worth it. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll give them that dream, too. Anything else about uh, this uh, Magi story that... I'm shocked that I didn't know it was only one possible. <laughs> um, this is, again, in Matthew, this is the primary birth story. That mm. the, the passage immediately before this is the prophecy to Joseph about Mary giving birth. And after this, there's... Um, the Holy Family having to escape to Egypt and then Herod killing all the um, male children in Bethlehem shortly thereafter. Um, and then they moved to Nazareth. The Holy Family moves to Nazareth. And the next thing we know, Jesus, Jesus is an adult. Yeah, we kind of uh, want to skip a few there with the story <laughs> yeah. in, this, uh, in this book. Um. Yeah, so it's, ah. it's an easy read to, to read the story of Jesus' birth in Luke and in Matthew um, side by side. You can literally do it in a Gospels parallel online if you want to be able to look back and forth easily. Um, oh. And know that they both could be true quite easily and each have their own set of symbols that are not contradictory and very meaningful. Yeah. Well, uh, I think with that, we'll call to close uh, this, the your podcast for January 10th, 2021. We're in the season, the beginning of uh, Epiphany. Uh, uh, we, as 
as always, uh, we have lots of things uh, going on with the church. I think we have a, a Bible study yep. going on New right Bible now that we're plugging. New Bible study starting. Yep. Um, Thursday nights. Are, is, 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 does that start this week or when is that? I don't think it's this week. I'm, I'm forgetting. I shouldn't say the wrong thing. <laughs> so go to holyfamilyfishers.org to get the right thing there you go there you go uh go to the website uh as always our our, our church services are still uh, currently online i shouldn't say as always because that i hope is not going to right be <laughs> um for the right uh, now but, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh our online worship is uh, on hfec videos uh, uh, where you can go back and enjoy the christmas season that we uh that we have just left left um, and, uh, if you still want to get your fill of, uh, trees with lights, uh, um, you can, you, it can be found there. Um, yeah, Boy, uh, there but, was some uh, fantastic music in the uh, children's five o'clock, uh, presentation of the Luke story is well mm -hmm. worth seeing. Yeah. It, 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 we have some very talented people in the congregation. It is quite amazing. Um, and uh, but yeah, it, uh, as always, if you have any questions, uh, comments, uh, you want to contact us directly at shortcut at hfec .org. Um, uh, And I think until next week, I'm Ben and I'm Bruce and we'll talk to you then. Bye bye. Bye.